0: good morning good afternoon and good evening welcome to the winner winner podcast my name is mike aka mtb trigger and i'll be your host tonight we've got another special guest for you and maybe you've had the pleasure to hear him before but it's more likely and i'm almost certain that you've at least read something that he has written but joining us tonight is the one and only hawkins of PUBG. how are you doing tonight sir
1: Hey, uh, yeah, pretty good. Thanks for having me on. I'm pretty nervous, so uh, apologies in advance. That's not often that I get on voice, so...
0: I'm uh, I'm actually super excited to have you on because and this is this is actually kind of cool because I remember when I first started playing this game. I got on Reddit, right? Because that's where I started getting all of my news and yep. I was actually shocked at how often you would show up in like every single Reddit thread <laughs> back at the end of 2017. I like I couldn't believe it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't sleep much that year. It was uh, it was pretty crazy.
0: That's awesome. But uh, for those of you, if you're brand new to the show, welcome. On Winner Winner, we talk about all things PUBG. We talk with the developers, we talk with content creators, and we have a heavy emphasis on mastering in-game systems and getting better at the game. So tonight, shocker, we are we're talking with PUBG tonight. It's interview night. But let me get a few small things out of the way so we can jump right into PUBG. So this podcast is hosted in both video and audio versions. You can find the video version hosted on YouTube at xpmedianow, so youtube.com forward slash xpmedianow, and you can find the audio version basically anywhere you can find a podcast on the internet by searching winner winner. And if you're looking to chat with me personally, you can always find me at MTB Trigger on Twitter. I also stream on Twitch a few days a week at MTB Trigger. And I'm also all over Discord under the same tag as well. So that's it for the small stuff. Let's jump into some PUBG with Mr. Hawkins here. And uh, if it's okay with you, sir, I would like to start with just some background. And, you know, you talk about PUBG all the time, but I guess I'm kind of curious on your gaming background like how did you start gaming when was it and and how did you end up on pc
1: sure okay so it's uh it goes back pretty far i've been gaming pretty much as long as i can remember used to go to land cafes when i was like eight years old sort of just gaming there doing all-nighters that's sort of where it started i guess um what type of games i guess for the most part just shooters any fps uh, counter-strike call of duty all the old school greats um, and outside of FPS, I only really played RuneScape, I guess. So yeah, pretty hardcore FPS on PC for all of my life.
0: So you started on PC at
1: eight? Started on PC at eight, maybe earlier,
0: yeah. Wow. Okay. So I heard a couple in there, right? So I came from, uh, Counter-Strike Heavy. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Right. And that was kind of my game for 10 plus years and I, I had gotten really out of FPS and I didn't go down the RuneScape model. I went into (laughs) World of Warcraft. It was PUBG that actually pulled me back into the FPS world after being out of it for three or four years, just playing the MMO. You know, so I guess what drew you to PUBG then? I mean, you mentioned all of those like 5v5, very arena style shooters. So like, how did you end up moving into PUBG after playing FPS for that long?
1: Yeah. So I've actually always been a fan of the smaller player numbers. I've haven't really ever played anything with large player numbers. I like that sort of confined, methodical, just sort of aim star sort of games, best shooter wins. But um, I think a friend sent me a video of PUBG in early alpha and I just thought it looked amazing. There wasn't really anything new at the time and I immediately became interested and just wanted to play it purely based off that small trailer.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) My story is actually. Kind of similar. We uh, we visited my family back in Colorado over Thanksgiving one year yeah. and it was 2017 and a friend was like, come over, you got to see this game. And I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> like, I'm not going to do it. And yeah. then I went home and needed to buy like a $1,200 PC the, the yeah, next week.
1: It. So, So you got into it just a bit after release?
0: Yeah, so I wouldn't say I was late. I think we went late October, early November and we always do a Thanksgiving trip even though it was very early, but it was uh a couple months after it it really started to blow up, yeah.
1: Probably the best time to get in to be honest. After all the initial server issues were gone, it was pretty rough at the start.
0: Yeah, I I see the videos of some of that stuff and it just kind <laughs> of cracks me up and you hear people that are like nostalgic for that though. Like, I guess how often do you see that kind of sentiment, though, where people are asking for things that they really don't know what they're asking for back in the beginning of the game?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty often a lot of people actually want to see like an old version of PUBG come back as an event mode, like early access mode or alpha mode or something like that. Like playing it, it was fun. But when I've gone back and looked at some of the footage, it was pretty rough. I'm not sure many people would actually enjoy playing it, to be honest.
0: And I guess my kind of perception along those same lines is that PUBG has come a long way. And I think anybody who was there in the beginning and loaded it up now, even if they haven't played in a while or um, they've been playing the whole time, I think PUBG has done a really good job of, Updates over time and not necessarily these like monster patches that fix just a tremendous amount of stuff. Do you think there are things that were better in the game back then or perceived to be better? Like, what do you think really gets latched onto from that like old PUBG kind of timeline?
1: Yeah, I think it's hard to say. I think uh, there's just so many people who, when they played PUBG back then, it was a game where it sort of brought your friends from all different games back together. Like maybe you had some friends you played WoW with, you had some friends you play Counter-Strike with and everyone just sort of jumped onto this wave of PUBG and that feeling was awesome for so many people. And I think it's hard to say exactly what mechanic people loved back then or what may have been better or what may have been worse, but I think people are just really attached to that feeling that they had. Uh, but I think in general, yeah, we've gotten a lot better with pretty much everything over time, but it has been... Um, Certainly, been steady increases in quality. I think
0: that's probably the most noticeable thing to me, especially with the maps that have received that like retouching recently. Sandhawk specifically, for sure. Before we jump like all the way to current game. You said something that really jumps out to me. You said it was already pre-alpha and somebody showed you the video. So how did you go from being pulled into the game and somebody showed it to you in pre-alpha to being the the community guy that I remember seeing on Reddit at the end of the year?
1: Super weird. It was just one of those uh, right time, right place sort of things. This is my first job in gaming. I've worked like customer service and hospitality before this. And I was working night shift at a hotel and in my spare time at night, I would just mess around on the computers, look for games, you know. After seeing that video, yeah, just kept following PUBG. And then when the forums opened up, I jumped on there day one, just started trying to help people. I really enjoy sort of helping out and that sort of stuff. I've been a forum mod a few times before. They just asked me to, to become a mod after a few months, and I said yes. And then a few months later, they said, hey, this game's getting pretty popular. Do you want a job? And sent me a contract over Discord, and that was it. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. So I definitely got a uh, thrust into it. It's been a very interesting learning experience, and I definitely have a lot more to learn, but I've enjoyed almost every minute of it.
0: So what titles have you held at PUBG over that time?
1: Um, I started as a community coordinator and I'm a community manager now, so just two. But I have jumped around teams a few times. When I started initially, there was only an office in Korea, so there wasn't even an NA team back then. So, it was sort of like a global role. And then gotcha. I moved to the North American team and recently I actually started helping out in Korea a lot again. But now I'm about to come back to the NA team. So, there's been a lot of switching around and while for the most part, there's a huge amount of overlap there is definitely some stuff specific to those regions.
0: Gotcha. And with the original office just being in Korea, have you had to move a lot or were you able to be remote for this entire time?
1: Yeah. So I've actually been remote the entire time. So just over three years, but I have gone on business trips to both the Korea office and the US office. And I've definitely spent a few months in both of those locations. But for the vast majority, I've worked from home in Australia. So I often get questions why I'm up so late or why I'm uh, up so early, but it's generally normal time in Australia. Yeah, just the time time difference, I guess.
0: We we were laughing about that when we were setting this up.
1: We're like, yeah.
0: well, for us, it's like 8.30 at night. What time is that for Hawkins? I, I was like, I don't even know where Hawkins <laughs> is.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, it can be both good and bad. Uh, one good thing about it is the headquarters being located in Korea, there's actually only one hour or two hour difference. So when updates are deployed and things like that, it's generally in the middle of my day.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah, because when we heard from Maynard, right, when they're doing those downtimes, he said a lot of times their team would be, you know, basically deploying those updates on the servers. And then, of course, when they take the servers down and put them back up, you kind of want to make sure everything's running. And that was yeah. always like either late night or early morning kind of stuff.
1: Oh yeah, it's rough for those guys. They've de- they've definitely got a worse off for the time zone difference over there.
0: Yeah. So you said you've been to both headquarters, uh, in both spots. What's what's something that would surprise people, or or can you tell us about those offices? Is there something that sticks out to you about those offices?
1: Well, the office in Korea uh, is huge. <laughs> it's a massive building. It's like a corporate, massive corporate like tower. Was well, actually two towers. PUBG takes up, I think, uh, four or five floors total. Wow. In that building. Like, yeah, it's huge. But it's just really nice. It's a really nice area. Korea is great in general, but they've got like a cafe inside. They've got like a big sort of dining hall for employees there. And they also have like a little rest area with beanbags and massage chairs. It's uh, it's super cool. For the NA office, the only one I've been to is Santa Monica. And that's actually the, the third Santa Monica office now. The first one was a little WeWork. I remember going there in 2018. It was a little shoebox with about 10 people. Then we moved to a bigger office for about- I think about maybe 20 to 30 people, and we've only recently moved into another big office again alongside some other gaming companies in Santa Monica, and um, it's really nice. They're all really nice offices. It's a pretty good environment for workers. So.
0: so, Corrigan hasn't let you into
1: the New York one yet, huh? No, I think that's the one with the most personality, to be honest. That's, uh, <laughs> that's sick. They've got lots of cool paintings and graffiti and stuff. It's, uh, I think it's the most PUBG of the US offices. Okay.
0: And then Dave Curd's team is in Madison, right? That one's not too far yes. from me. I need to find a way to get over there.
1: Oh, I'm sure Heaven we can make let that happen. <laughs> Dave would love to have you, I'm sure.
0: So let's let's move into just some PUBG too, though. I mean, we, sure. we've kind of danced around it and I guess I'm fascinated by just how you went from being a gamer to Mm -hmm. just somebody that was helping other people with the game to the community lead. And I guess I have some questions about that. Like, how does that work, right? Because when we're talking to developers on the show, there's always this like push-pull of like, we're in the current state of the game today. And they're working on a state of the game that is like two months, four months, six months down the line. Yeah. So how do you bridge that gap? Because you're talking to people that are playing the current modes. How hard is that in the community manager
1: role? It's really challenging. Um, I think it's honestly more difficult for the developers. Uh, like you obviously have an intention when you develop something that players are going to love it. That it's going to work a specific way and it's going to work with all other parts of the game. But when it gets to that time, it may not work that way and you're already working on content three months down the line and you've got to go back and change it. So it's really important to be quick and to change these things. And while often we can't react super quickly, as some people have been quite critical about, it is really challenging, honestly. And for community Uh, Personally, I like to try and keep my head as close as I can to what the community is feeling. So I generally try and stay away from looking at all these upcoming features and what we're doing months down the line, because I want to know how players are feeling now, knowing the information they know, not knowing the information I know.
0: Was there a feature that you knew was in development at some point in the game (laughs) that people were just like, couldn't stop complaining about that you just wanted to tell the world over Twitter or Reddit or something?
1: Oh, man. That's happened a lot. I can't think of a particular moment, but the one thing I do remember is uh at PGI twenty eighteen, the global championship, the lead for the animation and gameplay team in Europe was telling me about this like motor glider he wanted to add to the game. And I was like, this is crazy, man. Like this is this is not PUBG. I was kinda unhappy to be honest. I thought it would be a terrible addition to the game. But then they ended up working on it about a year later, or maybe even year and a half later, I put it into the game and it was one of the best received features in the West and I think an amazing addition to the game. So sometimes you can feel like you have your finger on the pulse, but uh, it's actually really hard to sort of judge what people want and that one surprised me.
0: So funny enough, just today, actually, I was fortunate enough to jump on a call with a bunch of other PUBG partners and Dave Kurd and uh, Corrigan jumped in there and Josh was in there. And the glider was one of those interesting things that came up because we were talking about the train on Vikendi and the loot trucks and the gliders. And there was this kind of like universal receiving of the glider as a really good thing. And I do think when it was announced, people were freaking out. And I I was one (laughs) of those, like, why in the world are they putting something that flies in this game? Yeah, man, me too. And, And then it was you know, it was like hard spawns. So it created these horrible, like punching brawls at the glider. And then
1: 20 people dropping in on the glider.
0: (laughs) Right. And it was like, Man, if they, everyone's hitting that one shack, hoping for a shotgun or something like that. Yeah. But it was the idea that things can get added to the game that are like a net positive for all players, right? And, and this was a room full of, I would say, most people had a 1,000, if not 2,000 minimum hours in the game. And we're looking at things like the train, the glider, and things that it doesn't matter if you're new, casual, hardcore, pro, whatever. Those are really cool additions for all players. Play styles and players. So I guess one of the things that is very different in uh, I guess regionally and right and you said you've you've yeah. kind of worked back and forth between the different regions exactly is the is the preferred mode of play, right? FPP, TPP. And it sort of shocks me that something like the glider was universally well received because I'd imagine that there's some features that FPP loves and TPP doesn't like so much. Is there anything else that jumps out to you in that realm?
1: Well, actually, just speaking on the gliders again, um, it was positively received universally in the West, but actually in some, uh, as far as I'm aware, in China and even career. It wasn't received as positively, which surprised me. I thought it would be the other way around. Yeah, that kind of shocked me.
0: I saw the, you know, Europe and the West and how it was kind of a fearful thing, I would say. Yeah. Like, is this ruining the game? And then everyone tried it was like, okay, this is cool. (laughs) And (laughs) it it was really the gap of the test realm to the live server, right? Because Mm -hmm. on the test realm, the hard spawns, there's already gas in them. So it was this you could jump in it and take off if no one else was there, which was never the case but then moving it to the random spawn and you had to gas it up. It seemed like that little change between test and live was critical to the success of this.
1: Yeah, it made a huge difference and that is honestly down to the team in Europe again. Tuna, one of the super OG devs, that was his decision as far as I'm aware. He called it out pretty early. He thought it'd be the best thing to do when he did it. So uh, that was a really good call. Definitely changed the tide of the opinion.
0: It's also one of the criticisms that PUBG receives, right? Is that, you know, sometimes things get thrown out there as in the test realm and then they don't get changed before live. Sure. But then there's examples like that where when it hit live, it was completely different, but it kept the same feel of why it would be cool and fun, but it made it a little more fair in the actual game, or at least it removed the incentive to like drop at every single spawn trying to get one. Yeah. You know, when we hear about things that are coming out in 8.2, like the decoy grenade Mm -hmm. and new guns, is the same sort of development, at least to your knowledge of those new things to the game? Is it that same concept of here's the idea of what we want to do? And I guess when I'm thinking about like a decoy grenade, I'm like, okay, how many shots does it shoot? How loud is it? How is all of that handled? Is there various degrees of testing before it even hits the test realm of that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, there is. And it varies depending on which office created the feature as well. So for example, Madison created the decoy grenade. So they have their own design team there as well. We also have design teams in Korea and design teams in Amsterdam who work on gunplay and gun balance and things like that. So yeah, it sort of changes feature to feature and also team to team. But for the most part, we hope that it should be pretty locked in on what players are going to like before it goes to test. But At the same time, leaving some variables open to be changed if the feedback is not what we expect.
0: (laughs) Has anything really surprised you like one way or the other? Like gliders is obviously the one that I I would point to. Is there any other feature that you thought everyone was going to love it or you were worried that everyone was going to hate it and it was opposite?
1: Oh, man. I'm sure there are definitely some there, but I can't think of them, honestly.
0: Maybe Reddit got to you.
1: (laughs) I think so, yeah. Definitely uh, plays tricks on your mind when you look at that Reddit every day. (laughs)
0: How much time, speaking of Reddit, how much time do you spend, and and maybe this is a terrifying question
1: to ask. Sure.
0: How much time do you spend reading ideas and threads of ideas uh, on a given day?
1: Yeah, so it varies. Uh, I don't look at Reddit as much as I used to, honestly. I know for a lot of people, the role is perceived as just responding to players and- um, their feedback, and maybe some concerns they have. And while that is part of the role, there is a huge amount on the back end that players don't see. Um, So it's sort of a balance between getting in there and reading what players have to say, talking to them, and at the same time, making sure that information is fed back to the team on the back end, and we have enough time to look at future features, uh, what changes may be coming to the game, and flagging any potential issues there may be where we don't believe will be received well by the players. Because obviously... We need to have our finger on the pulse, so we don't find out about a feature a day before it's released. See a concern which the community will have and not be able to act on it. But in terms of time spent, oh, it's really it's really hard to say. My workday sort of floats <laughs> into my personal life; the lines pretty blended. So um, yeah, I don't know. At least like five six hours just reading for sure. Like minimum. Wow.
0: And you said something there that to me is fascinating, right? It's the translation of. I'm going to say a perceived player problem Mm -hmm. to the developers. Right. And I don't know what other steps are in there, but and I say perceived because there are times where and then maybe this is the danger of like Reddit and Twitter and stuff where there may be a problem that's hitting a very specific group of players like ranked FPP top 1% players, which makes up whatever tiny percentage of the player base or On the flip side, it could be something that, you know, a casual TPP squad player, uh, everyone's complaining about there, but it never affects FPP or vice versa. How do you actually take a problem and deliver it? Because And we can talk about queues, too, in Mm -hmm. a minute. Like, there's, what, 32 or 36? I mean, there's a tremendous amount of queues in EU. NA is obviously a little more limited, but I think the devs are like, Corrigan's tweeted about ways to fix that. But how, how do you take something that is an issue for one segment of the player base and deliver that to the devs in a way that they can work on it?
1: Yeah, it's actually really challenging. And I don't think we've found the best way to do that yet. There's always ways to improve. But one thing we try and do as a team is align on problems within our whole team that we know players are facing in our region and presenting it to the team as a unified voice um, and telling them what priority we think it has. So one trap I think it's easy to fall into is messaging every time there is a problem with the game. Hey, this is a problem. This is a big problem. It's easy for your voice to... Like, I mean, if you're telling someone you have a problem every single day, it's a lot harder for them to notice when there is a really critical issue. So definitely managing how we communicate is a big part of it. And Corrigan's actually great for that as well. He's a really good communicator. and He's really good at helping prioritize things internally.
0: I think it's really cool that not only that there seems to be a focus on responding. And it seems to be an uptick recently. So I don't know if that's like an internal movement, but it seems like we have access to a lot of the developers now. Corrigan's super active. You've always been super active. Have you noticed any like sentiment shifts with that? Because it's really easy to get upset about things Mm -hmm. in a game where only one person or a squad of people win and the other 99 to 96 people don't win.
1: A hundred percent
0: it's easy to get frustrated, but the game's not designed to be easier to have everybody win. That's kind of the reason the chicken dinner is so powerful as a reward. Is that a new thing in 2020? It just feels like a major uptick in communication.
1: Um, So I think there's a few reasons for it. I don't think our mentality is much different to what it has been over the years. We've always wanted to communicate as transparently as we can and um, help out our players and let them know what we're thinking, what decisions we're making and why. But I guess, yeah, there has been a push. I don't even know what his exact title is. Probably executive producer. He's the big dude of PUBG, Tesok Jang in Korea. You see him in a lot of the season yep. uh, sort of launch videos. Uh, he's an awesome guy, super passionate. Been at PUBG since day one before PUBG was PUBG. And he's been really pushing for, yeah, more communication. Let's talk to players, tell them what we're thinking. And at the same time, uh, Corrigan recently got a promotion on the NA side of things. And obviously, he's super transparent and he's sort of leading by example. So, I think it encourages everyone to speak more as well. Yeah, now you all have to come on the show. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Group call maybe, see how that goes. <laughs> that could be dangerous,
0: man, but uh, you know, so. I would do it. <laughs> so, I guess along those lines, I think the most surprising thing in communication is you, you kind of mentioned it. You mentioned transparency and this is probably one of the most dangerous things that I can think of. If I put myself in your shoes or Corrigan shoes or any developer shoes to be transparent on what you are thinking. Mm-hmm. And so I say that leading into these next couple of questions, because I guess I'm really interested in your take on some of the stuff that's sure. going on. And, and I'm not trying to ask these in a way that's going to say, well, Hawkins said, <laughs> you know, but you play the game. Like I watched you stream when Sandhawk came out. Yep. You had a squad on New Sandhawk and, you know, you guys were fragging out. I saw you win a game <laughs> from the like you sprayed a dude down with a 4X at like 100 <laughs> meters to win a chicken dinner. So, like, I know oh, that you play PUBG. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And not as much recently as I uh, hope for. But, yeah, I've got about across all branches, probably two and a half thousand hours. I love the game. I'm definitely a player first for sure. So happy to offer my personal opinions.
0: Yeah. So I, I kind of want to hit some of the hot issues and sure. at least the things that everyone's talking about, especially the ones that are being discussed as it seems like things that may be, you know, changing. So again, we've talked about how there's tons of queues right now in PUBG and it, yeah. it just seems like PUBG has the numbers still, right? And people point to the Steam charts and how many people were playing and how many are playing, and mm-hmm. what they think could happen with free to play. But the truth is, we have all these queues now, we have all these players now, and they're split between all this stuff. So, like, when you're thinking about how spread out people are and where they're currently being sent in the game or incentivized to play, what do you think is the best solution for fixing the queue problem? That it's a universally agreed on problem at this point that the number of queues in PUBG is a pretty big issue.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, this is the biggest challenge we have, uh, the biggest challenge we've had for a very long time. Um, It's been a problem in the past. It's still a problem now, and there's no perfect solution. And I don't think there's even a great solution. There's probably an okay solution, (laughs) (laughs) but something does have to change. But every decision we make, any direction we take in relation to cues. It's going to negatively impact some players, but it is going to positively impact other players as well. But for me personally, my opinion is that we need to sort of chop it off at the knees. We may make uh, quite a few people unhappy at once, but it's more important to sort of future proof and give everyone a good experience consistently for multiple years or however long it is rather than some people having a subpar experience for a few months and then us changing queues and then changing queues again. I think that sort of volatility and changing from featured map to random and battle royale and mini royale to full map selection, I think it's um, pretty like a abrasive experience on players to constantly have the way you're allowed to play changed. But in terms of what's the best solution? Yeah, I'm really not sure. I think we just need to make a drastic solution. Some of what Corrigan has said on Twitter uh, looks good, taking away some game modes and it's inevitable we'll have to take away some of players' choice. But obviously the end goal being that we want players to experience our game the best they can all the time, not just in peak times, not only if they're in a particular region. We have nothing to gain from taking away your choice. Like it's not something we want to do to make you unhappy like we want to give you the best experience possible it's just finding the way we can do that which benefits the most players and makes the most players happy and is the most sustainable going forward but yeah it's it's a real challenge and honestly there's no perfect solution there so still happy to hear, hear people's opinions we've been tweeting out some stuff so let us know what you think for your region
0: yeah i was going to say that you know especially for those that listen and aren't necessarily Uh, super engaged on Twitter. There's been some polls sent out there. Mm -hmm. And and I guess that was going to be another question I brought up later, but it just seems like there's a real risk of a, I would say, a negative post on Reddit or Twitter to get a lot of steam behind it because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's easier to relate to somebody's frustration than to look at all the different sides of an issue. So
1: 100%.
0: What do you think is the best way to give feedback or constructive criticism? I mean, is it to go to Reddit? Is it to go on Twitter? I know the surveys have been coming out recently, but like Mm -hmm. how does a player who's passionate about this game, who doesn't necessarily stream or have a huge following on Twitter, like what's the best way for the, the casual player who loves this game to get their opinion heard?
1: Yeah. So it kind of uh, depends on the type of feedback you want to give. Like if you want to engage directly with us, uh, like one-on-one, Twitter and the official Discord are really good places for that. Reddit, generally only the popular opinions are the ones which get visibility because the way Reddit works is the things with the most upvotes are the ones which get seen. Right. We are looking at threads with not many upvotes and threads are new as well, but they obviously are much easier to miss. But yeah, Twitter is, I think Twitter's awesome. The Discord's awesome. But Reddit's great as well. Honestly, just whatever you feel most comfortable with, if you don't hear from us, hit us up somewhere else. Cool. Okay. Yeah, because we love to hear player feedback, we love to talk PUBG, we share your passion.
0: It seems like from my seat, I see a little bit of everything, right? I see people that have been giving feedback for a long time, frustrated on some issues. Sure. And then you also see the, and it's not new communication, but again, I, ramped up maybe is the right way to say it, but mm-hmm. also just the like streamlining of content. It seems to be the the schedule of release seems to be faster. You know, it's there's it talked about the explosion of additional staff that PUBG had a little over a year ago. So now the content release seems to be on like a monthly pace instead of like a quarterly pace. So it seems like all of that's affecting it and we now have the seasons which I guess I don't know. It's usually is it 90 days or do we have a 60 day season recently? There's a shorter one, right? There
1: was, yeah. Um, I actually don't remember exactly how long the season's running, but it's running, um, the ranked seasons are now in line with the regular seasons as well, so.
0: Right. Let's hit ranked really quick, though. So ranked mode is FPP exclusive. Oh, well, I shouldn't say it's FPP exclusive. It's TPP exclusive, but some of the recent... Polls out there are suggesting that TPP go to the casual mode and ranked should be in the FPP perspective sure. exclusively. So what are your personal thoughts on ranked?
1: Yeah, I think feedback's generally been pretty positive. Um, there are some. Sort of polarizing opinions on certain topics, uh, like for example, the addition of Vikendi as it isn't used in esports. A lot of players have the opinion that ranked mode should mimic esports. I understand where they're coming from, but I think we do see, sort of need to bridge that gap between casual players and players who want to grind, but they may not necessarily want to play the sort of esports style. It is a very different game. It is a lot more brutal. It's a it's a really tough balance. I think.
0: Yeah, I guess that's a good point too. That Esports kind of exists, right? That's like the pro model and adding in a ranked mode really is the bridge to that. And I guess I've always thought that if you make the ranked mode exactly what the esports mode is, why would esports need to exist separately? You know what I mean? Like there's always going to be scrims and practices and stuff like that. I don't know. I guess in my mind, having it not be a perfect mimic is good because someone could grind ranked and then if they realize, oh, I'm pretty good at this, maybe I should look at the next level. It seems like a good bridge. I don't know that mirroring it is exactly the way to go.
1: Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I also really appreciate the opinion of esports players as well who want them to be the same. Um, But I guess uh, one thing I want to note is that regardless of how similar the settings are, Honestly, the experience is always going to be incredibly different from ranked to professional play. Like I played a hell of a lot of Counter-Strike as we were sort of speaking on briefly earlier. I was like supreme global level, which was like sort of the highest level in matchmaking you could get. So Really good players, definitely lots of pro players in there in my lobbies, but I could never play competitive Counter-Strike because the game is actually so much different, mainly because of players' mentalities. Uh, when people don't necessarily care as much, they play completely differently. And it's the same in PUBG. If you notice PUBG Esports, uh, people often complain in scrims, these guys aren't taking it seriously. Like, what's the point in practicing? And that's sort of the point I want to make, that even if we mimic the settings perfectly, it's not going to be PUBG Esports. And I think it's important for the mode to both be somewhat a representative of competitive PUBG Esports, but at the same time, be able to transition these casual players into players who are supporting the game in a more hardcore level, I guess, playing every day, starting to grind, and then I think it will be easier for them to support esports as they get more passionate about PUBG. And I think it'll honestly, it overall helps everyone.
0: Yeah, I think I tend to agree with you. What do you think about the concept of, you know, there's always this idea of going back to like the leaderboard system that's kind of like a sure. back end tracker versus having the you know, you get out of a game and you get your instantaneous feedback on how the match went, what your points did. One of the things that I've heard from more casual players is I would go in and play ranked because I like it, but I don't like to be told that I'm losing points right there versus okay. in the old model. You could go into the leaderboard whenever you wanted to and just see like, oh, where am I stacking up? And so I guess I'm, I'm wondering, do you think going back to a leaderboard model or sticking with ranked is the right play?
1: Um, yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's difficult. I, I personally love leaderboards. I'd loved grinding the leaderboards back in the day. Um, but I know for many players, uh, if you're not like the top 1%, uh, it's often not very satisfying to look at the leaderboards like, yeah, I'm thousand in my regions feels great. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really hard to see your, your progress and your progression, but with the rank system where you can constantly see your rank changing, I think it's, uh, sort of good feedback loop to help players improve but at the same time I appreciate I think what you were sort of describing is a, a ranked anxiety I know a lot of people have discussed that in League of Legends and it's it's real like often you are sort of worried about your rank and it makes you play differently or even it might make you not want to play as much because it's a bit more stressful you know so it's uh yeah I'm not sure what the best play there is but I think the system we've got now is pretty good I think we can tweak it more and maybe there's a middle ground we can have or we have a bit of both and I guess we do have a bit of both now but there's definitely ways we can improve and Corrigan's team is looking at that sort of feedback non-stop as well as the community managers coming to them and giving our ideas from players and it's uh, it's definitely a living breathing ecosystem that's going to keep evolving over time and we're here to stay with Ranked and it's going to be here for a very long time and it's going to keep changing.
0: Cool. What about other modes in ranked? I think everyone, I don't want to say everyone, but maybe I should say everyone on Twitter. But Twitter is super hyped up about getting a, you know, solo or a duo ranked queue with the North American player base specifically. Uh, it seems like the squad ranked is starting to, you know, you're running into the same people all the time. Yep. And depending on when you queue up.
1: Well, I think I guess I'll say ideally, what we want to do is allow you to play ranked the way you want to play ranked. But realistically, is that possible to offer solo, duo, and squads for all regions? It's, uh, it's not. There are regions with a smaller concurrent player base, which does present challenges for queues. And I don't think there's anything worse than seeing that you should be able to play something. And then when you try and play, you can't actually play. It feels like a bit of a bait and switch. So, we definitely don't want to do that to players, but we we know that people want to play ranked the way they want to play PUBG and they want to grind. Maybe it's solo, maybe it's duo. Is it realistic to add both of them? I don't think so. I think if we were to add, either. It would probably be solo, but the logistics of that need to be looked into more. That's something Corrigan's team is looking at. And it may be something where it does differ region to region. And it's not because we hate any region or we love any region. We just want people to be able to play the game and not be stuck in dead queues because nothing feels worse.
0: Yeah. So dead queues you brought up. I did want to talk about, you know, player base and and then, you know, we have ranked. So there's and you probably hear more about this and you, I mean, you're probably going to like deep sigh at me when I say the <laughs> word, but cheating seems to come up often, you know, like yes. with ranked mode, because if a cheater gets in a game and they and they kill, so, you know, maybe it's a streamer or whoever, a couple of rounds in a row, like it's super obvious. And there's obviously stuff in there in the game that is now, you know, banning them over time, but maybe it's not fast enough, whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the thoughts is free to play. I don't know the feasibility of that. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you can speak to that, but it seems like a lot of these cues are suffering from not having new blood coming in. But when there's a problem with cheating going on, taking off the paywall, which is kind of what it is, may increase the floodgates on that. So is all of that related? Are there things going on in the background trying to fix any of that? What do you think about the free-to-play model, if it's even something feasible in the near future or distant future?
1: Sure. So, they've got a lot of overlap on those two, but I do want to address them separately. So, I'll start with cheating first. Uh have been told to keep it somewhat clean on this podcast, but I would generally drop a few F-bombs describing my feelings <laughs> for cheaters. They suck. I... Hate them. That's uh, as brutal as I'm gonna get. But I, I, if you DM me on Twitter or something, I'll I'll give you a few sentences which are not <laughs> as polite about them. But yeah, we hate cheaters. Uh, a pretty common uh, opinion in the community is that we want there to be cheaters because they purchase the game and it makes us money, and that is. Far from the truth, that's not true. Cheaters don't benefit us at all. We may make money off the initial game sale for someone who inadvertently ends up cheating, but we definitely lose far more money from legitimate players who love our game because they cause to leave uh, when there are cheaters which go undetected for a certain period of time. Yeah. Uh, our goal for this game is to be a game which continues to be played and loved by players for many, many years. And there's nothing more destructive on a game's ecosystem than cheating. And yeah, all the cons of... It's all outweighed any potential amount of money we get from people purchasing the game and then cheating is far outweighed by the negative impact they have elsewhere. Hey, cheaters. We're working really hard to get rid of them. It's a really tough battle. It's sort of like uh, virus and antivirus. There's often things you can do to prevent cheaters from... Uh, modifying your game or modifying shit on the server. But often a lot of it has to be reactive. It's it's a real challenge. And a lot of these people making cheats, they're selling them to people who really love cheating and they spend a lot of money to keep cheating. So it's a war of PUBG developers trying to get rid of cheaters. The groups of cheaters trying to make money by selling their cheats. Uh, so there's many things we do about that. Obviously, we have a legal team uh, they contact a lot of these websites and get them taken down. It depends what jurisdiction they're in. Often they're hosted in countries where generally we can't do much about it, but we have taken down many cheating sites and many cheating softwares. We have a huge team for anti-cheat internally at PUBG. We have multiple different anti-cheats we use, both internal and third-party ones as well, like Eye that you guys know of. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not enough right now. Clearly, I mean, no matter what we do, if you're not having a good experience, we're not doing a good enough job. So we need to definitely improve there, but it's a, it's a real challenge. It's, it's not easy, unfortunately. I wish it was.
0: You know, you kind of see it where it's such a hard thing because it's especially negative in the higher hours played crowd, right? Because sure. there's definitely a feeling to a good player killing you. Like You can get deleted in this game at any second. You know, and you kind of know when you're going up against a good player at a certain point. But then there's the times when you're rotating and you know you're sort of behind the hill and somebody just hits like four consecutive shots that it just doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. And those are the moments that get clipped out. Or if it's a streamer that's experiencing that, you know, everyone's like, oh, cheater, 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 cheater. And it's like it just it completely changes the mood. And that can affect. Hundreds or thousands of people in the moment. So I can respect how challenging and painful it is on your end. So I like hearing of all the different things that you guys are working on related to cheating. And then I've heard. You know, different things like encryption is something that was recently added. I'm technically not savvy where all of this stuff is concerned, but it sounds like some improvements have been made. Yeah, please do. Yeah,
1: yes, there's been lots of improvements, um, but that one you mentioned is pretty notable, especially for the console crowd. So it's something that's been on PC for quite a while, but hadn't made its way to console. So just to explain it, uh, like I don't have a technical background or anything, but I've been a professional hater of cheaters for a very long time. So I've looked into a lot of this stuff (laughs) and basically like the server, like there's the PUBG server, which has to send and receive information from all players. And then obviously you as the player, you have to get that information from the server And um, what players were doing was using an external program and sometimes even on another computer. So, it was pretty much impossible to track back to them. That would do what's called packet sniffing. You give them the IP of the server and it'll basically take a look at what information is being sent to and from the server. And then interpolate that data to uh, create what players call radar hacks. Like basically like just see enemies on your minimap. It's pretty dodgy. Some real sad players. I don't know how they enjoy playing the game like that. So if you guys are out there, I hate you and you suck and you probably like to steal candy from babies. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's been fixed on console and it's been fixed on PC for quite a while. Yes, these things have the potential to be bypassed. If you see anything like that, let us know. But as far as we're aware, that's uh, working really well right now and it can't be bypassed or hasn't been bypassed.
0: You know, the, the mindset of cheating is just—it's hard to get into as someone who's never done it. And I, I, I can tell that you hate it and I appreciate oh. you holding back a little bit. Yeah, but, no. Um, I mean, sometimes people take it as a compliment when someone says you're cheating, right? You're Like, no, I don't cheat, but thanks for thinking so. But there's also a point where you don't want to accuse somebody who you're just not sure of when it comes down to what an individual player can do to help PUBG fight. This is the best thing to do to submit honest question marks that they have about players. And I know you probably can't speak to the exact numbers of things that trigger bans and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I'm in the same boat as you. I probably have about 2500 hours in the game and I, I don't know that I've ever had a temp ban, but I, I guess it seems like it works pretty well as someone who doesn't cheat. I've never been temp banned, but I've had some crazy situations where, you know, I die laughing because I should like the shot that I hit was nuts and I'm sure the sure. person thought I was cheating but I didn't get a temp ban or anything like that. So it seems from my perspective to work really well, but is the thing to do if I'm trying to help you guys fight it is to really submit reports in every questionable situation or what does an individual player do?
1: Sure. So, I mean, in the end, it's up to us and we need to keep improving our anti-cheat. Definitely the buck lies with us, but Uh, When you're playing the game, there are some things you can do to help us, which are really appreciated, obviously. So we have lots of different ways of detecting cheaters, but it really helps when you report them in-game through that report dialogue that pops up. Um, On top of that, if you want to go the extra mile, if you've got any other footage, you can send it through to our support team. Additionally, we've got a community initiative on our Discord, sort of like a closed group of people at the moment, but we're manually getting reports from players and actioning them pretty quickly. So that'll be expanded sometime in the future as well. Okay, cool. And back to free-to-play, actually, if you want to speak about that.
0: Yeah, I was, I was not going to let you off the hook.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously I can't talk about any plans or anything like that, about whether it's happening or whether it's not happening. But from my personal perspective, um, like this is not an opinion shared by the company, but I want to be real, I want to give you my opinion. Yeah, Uh, I personally don't think it's the right time to go free to play. A huge amount of people own PUBG, we've sold like over 60 million copies or something like that. Pretty much everyone has the game who wants to play the game. Uh, I think what we need to focus on is making the game more accessible while also supporting the hardcore players and people who've been playing the game for three years. Like the gunplay is really challenging. People love that, but it's actually really difficult for new players to get in and not get lasered from 100 meters away and feel like they're versing a cheater. Like if you think about it from their shoes, they may have an hour or two hours or 50 hours and there's this guy who looks like he has no recoil shooting at him from 100 meters away who's played 5,000 hours in the game. So the last thing we want to do is make all those hours you've put into the game void by making the gunplay really, really easy. Like that's... A crappy feeling for you it's a crappy feeling for many people and it takes away from pubg what makes pubg pubg <laughs> right but there are ways we can help new players improve and sort of bridge that gap between being a new player and being a player who can sort of take on and hold their own in the servers um, like training mode is one example of that but there's many ways that could be improved whether it be from teaching players how to better use mechanics or even just improving quality of life on things like auto-equip attachments and things like that.
0: That's one of the things that I often look at is it's really hard to put yourself in the shoes of a new player after you have thousands of hours in the game. Sure. Right, and one of the benefits of having... 80 something episodes of this podcast is it seems like every day or every couple of days we have someone who just got the game. They find the podcast and they're like, hey, I'm brand new to the game. And then it's like the flood of like, you should do this, 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 is how you get better at the game. And it's like that person's literally like, how do I drop out of the plane? <laughs> like, how, exactly. how do I get to that compound over there? And then yeah. they, you get there and they get shot. And it's like, it's really easy to forget how challenging it is to get into PUBG. And and I guess that's why I asked the question, right? Mm -hmm. Because at some point, you're right. There's a lot of people who've purchased the game and then there's a a less number of players that are still playing. So it's like, I guess I'm always trying to think about what's the best strategy. Is it retaining the current player base? Is it trying to get people back playing the game? Or is it getting new blood back in or new blood in the game? So I think it's a fascinating subject. It is for sure. I think you're right. I think brand new player to PUBG, you know, I've often seen it said where most people say, Yeah, it'll be like three or 400 hours before you get a chicken dinner, maybe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's it. And I think something that's really easy to forget is many of us who started playing the game, we had a big bunch of friends who were also learning the game with us as well. And that always makes it easier because you're on the same, you're going through the same thoughts, like how do I do this? And you share information, Um, but when you're jumping in the game by yourself, you don't generally have that support group, I guess. So I'd love to see like a tutorial added to the game and some more sort of direct instruction on what players need to do. Um, and just back to free-to-play again, one thing I didn't mention was obviously if the game is free-to-play, there will be a lot more cheaters because there's a smaller barrier to entry. So it's definitely pros and cons. What the company decides to do is nothing to do with my opinion, uh, but I just wanted to share my personal opinion to let you guys know what, what it is, I guess.
0: I appreciate that. Well, awesome, man. Thank you so much. I mean, this has been, Those are like all the issues that are hot right now. Thank you for not only kind of giving us the I'm going to call you a middleman, which is not what I mean to do. That's your whole team is, you know, it's between the community and, and the devs. And I know how challenging that can be for all of you guys that are on the community team. But I appreciate you talking about the things that seem to be really hot in all of the social spheres. But what I really want to do right now is, is talk about just a couple of like your favorite preferences. And sure. this is something we like to do with every guest. And then we'll give you a chance to, to say a few words at the end here. But I want to ask, like, OK, in the current state of the game and maybe historically on some of these, because I love that you've played since pre alpha <laughs> historically, what's been your favorite gun in the game and what is it right now?
1: So my favorite point of PUBG gunplay was the M16 meta with Crazy Burst Fire, and I would run double M16s, one with a red dot and burst, and the other one with an 8X, tapping 8X a range M16. like a sniper. 8 oh. oh. it was gorgeous. <laughs> so good. I got some videos of that. It was beautiful. It's um, awesome. But now, even with the barrel meta, and I know many of you guys are really upset about that. I get it. There's still going to be weapon balance changes coming, but just not right now. Um, but right now, honestly, it's the M4 and probably the SLR. Uh, I don't care how strong the barrel is personally, I'm not good enough player for it to matter. But the M4 is just sick, it's my baby, I like my skins, and the SLR is just a friggin' beast.
0: That's awesome. I, I actually have a favor to ask now. Sure. And I can't take credit for this idea. I read it today, but somebody said that the current meta is player unknown's barrel grounds.
1: Oof. That's fair.
0: And, <laughs> and I need that to show up in patch notes or something. Can you, oh, you need, okay. get an artist to like re- get to redo okay. it? That would be awesome. All
1: wow. right. How about if there is a nerf to barrel in a future patch, I will make a joke about Player Unknown's barrel ground, so I swear I'll make it happen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll write it in myself.
0: I think it was Clover. I think Clover's oh, the okay. one that brought that up. So Yeah,
1: she's awesome. That sounds like something she'd say. It still makes me upset, but it's fine. It's fine. I'll forgive her.
0: What's, uh, what's your favorite, Matt?
1: Um, I used to have really strong feelings about this, and it was Erangel, like, through and through. But right now, it probably still is Erangel, but I'm playing a lot more casually than I used to, so I've been enjoying Sanok a lot. But Erangel has this crazy big place in my heart, which is probably always going to be there. Awesome.
0: What's uh, what's the moment that you look back at in PUBG that hooked you? Like, what was it? A kill? Was it a chicken dinner? Like, what happened in the game that you were like, "This is the thing."
1: Um, I don't think there was ever a th- just like one thing. It was just that first trailer I saw before I even played, and then it was I just loved all of it going on from there. Um, I've always loved survival games, just that adrenaline you get. So yeah, I guess the adrenaline, like right at the end of the game when you're going for the win, it's uh, it's pretty pretty wild. Awesome.
0: And then the last like little quick question here is if you could ignore the development time that it would take, what is the one thing you would add to the game?
1: <laughs> a really good question. I'm actually going to have to think about this for a sec. So <laughs> sorry, I have to pause.
0: <laughs> what about while you're thinking about that, sure. what about, is there something that you would remove? And again, personally not sure. PUBG corporate opinion, but is there anything that you think should be removed?
1: There's nothing that I think should be removed. But if it was the game I was just playing with my friends, I would want the... Oh, damn. I'm going to hurt so many people regardless of what I say. <laughs> I, I don't think I can answer <laughs> so that. many friends. bow too on, many friend, I'll let you. Too many friends. I'll <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm curious what you were going to say, though. Like, is
1: it... <laughs> again, I, no. <laughs> uh-huh. No, I, I can't. <laughs> oh it's man. Th- that's, I guess that's one thing. There's real people behind these features and maps, and while I do hate many things, I love the people who made them. And there are many players who love them as well, so I can't do it. I can't say. Yeah. I have to Dang be a bit fake on this one. It's so like
0: internal battleship. You're not you're not gonna take the shot, huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright. What about the thing you would add? And th- now, and again, this is kind of another internal battleship because if you say something, they're going to think you want it and then they're going to start working on it. So choose your words, sir.
1: <laughs> Honestly, probably another map like Erangel in a similar style, but with a lot more like dynamic features, I guess. like I can't think of a great example, but like sometimes a cave entrance will be collapsed and you can't enter and sometimes you can or there's a button you press that opens up a part of the map. Just something like that. Some sort of more interactivity, sort of dynamic elements of the OG map, I guess.
0: That's something that I really find fascinating about New Sandhawk and specifically in the loot truck. We're going to circle back into this, I guess. But the loot truck is almost like a mini event in its current state, right? Because they're driving around and when someone chooses to engage a loot truck, Right. And again, like the ghillie suits may be too tuned up right now, maybe too much level three gear. Like I I believe and hope that's all going to get worked out. Those are just sliders, I think. But the, the concept of the loot truck is really cool because there's like eight mini events driving around the map and teams can either choose to engage or they can choose not to. But when you engage, it's a full on like storm of bullets that sends signals to everyone in the area. But I think what it proved was that many events can work, and you kind of use the word dynamic, and I love that, but like dynamic events in the map, like the loot trucks prove that that's something that people will go after. And I think that the loot truck does have the loot in it that makes it worthwhile. But even without that, I still think it would be engaged if there was some sort of reward for doing it.
1: For sure. I think this is sort of the evolution of Battle Royale, to be honest, is progression and like character attachments, as well as i guess mini games that's a bad way of describing it but like you've seen with um with Warzone and the contracts that's pretty sick i've actually been playing a bit of that recently yeah realm royale a lot of people may not know about that was sort of a cartoony battle royale and to get special weapons you would fire up a forge and then anyone in the area could see this black smoke coming out of the building so you'd have to defend the building like that sort of stuff is awesome like As everyone knows, there's always quite a lot of downtime in these BRs, but the tension is so important as well. There has to be some downtime, but for the players who want to find those fights and go aggro and have sort of a mid-game objective, loot trucks are awesome for that, and I'd love to see us sort of find more ways to introduce that to to other maps, not necessarily in the loot truck, but yeah, other sort of dynamic mid-game events. I I think it's awesome. I think that's sort of the natural progression BR games are taking as well.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, there were some cool ideas thrown out that I think we got permission to talk about today from (laughs) Josh. I don't know if it'll stay that way. So one of the things got thrown out was adding like a lootable train car to the train on Vikendi or like an armored train car that you have to blow up. That was thrown out today. And again, I wish I could give credit to whoever brought it up, but it was kind of in a popcorn (laughs) like some people were chatting on the Zoom call. Some people were talking. Taking those things that are already on the maps and turning them into dynamic events, I think could be a really cool addition to incentivize players to check that stuff out.
1: Yeah, that's great. No, I love that idea in particular. That's awesome.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I guess I just want to take this opportunity to thank you. I know we're on very different time zones and just to come on the show and chat, man. I mean, we love talking about PUBG and we just really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to come chat with us, talk about the game. But I did want to give you a chance to talk to the community, say, you know, take however much time you want, let them know how to contact you, Um, the floor is yours, you know, say anything you want and let the community know what you're thinking. And again, just a sincere thank you from us for you coming on the show.
1: Hey, awesome. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Um, I've never done anything like this before, so it's, it's been pretty real. It's not scripted. It's just saying whatever comes to my mind or trying my best. I'm sure I sort of twisted a bit of PR in there as well, but it's my job, but I am real. I love this game. We're all passionate behind the scenes. Even if we do make some mistakes, we want to make the best game for our players. So, thanks so much for giving me an actual voice. It's not just text to uh, talk to the community. It's been awesome talking to you. Um, I guess one other thing I want to highlight as well is... Uh, We're actually a team of community managers uh, across the world, some remote, some in offices. I'm just one of many community managers. Uh, Everyone has a slightly different role. Everyone has a slightly different focus, but all of us are working really hard on the same game, the same passion to just make it the best it can be and listen to you guys as much as we can. So while I do appreciate a lot of the credit community gives me there's more to it than just me there's tons of people and it's not just community managers it's developers it's designers it's even like legal team it team it's office managers like everyone has a passion for this game we try and live and breathe PUBG. yeah we want what you guys want and yeah gonna keep going PUBG strong for years and just pumping out content and yeah try and do you guys proud
0: well, that's awesome. And, and guys, you heard it, Hawkins. Thank you, man. And awesome. There's, there's a lot of fans, myself included, who <laughs> want nothing more than this game to just, just keep on going. And Sweet. I, I appreciate that and appreciate you coming on. But of course, for the, for the show, guys, I, I guess what I would say is that's, that's what we've got. We talked about all kinds of stuff that's going on, uh, in PUBG today. And then maybe some stuff that's coming out soon, but that's the show tonight. If you are looking to get in touch with Hawkins, I mean, he gave a very real ways to communicate with him, with the community team. You heard it, like hit him up on Twitter, hit him on Reddit, like whatever you're comfortable with, try to get in front of him, you know?
1: 100%. Yeah. At Hawkins on Twitter as well with a Z.
0: That's right. I guess I should have said that early if someone wasn't aware.
1: <laughs> nah, that was my bad. I should have said it. But yeah, just <laughs> at Hawkins, H-A-W-K-I-N-Z, yell at me, it's fine. Just. Be passionate. That's what matters first. I can see past a bit of uh, aggression. That's fine. Just uh, tell us what you think. Tell us what you're feeling and what you want. Awesome.
0: Well, that's all we got, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. The biggest help you can do for us is sharing the show, let people know that it's out there, you know, commenting on YouTube, give us a rating. All of that stuff helps us tremendously. Again, if you're looking for me, you can find me basically everywhere at MTB Trigger. Wanna send a special thanks to Spiffy Man for the music at the top and the end of the show. And as far as us and winner winner on this episode, that's all we got. So winner winner, Out.